this morning and say, I declare, I declare in the name of Jesus, Jesus that any time I, I hear the word, I am transformed into that word. Saying, as a result, my life becomes the better. Now, give the Lord some praise if you believe that. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we were over at the Double Tree and uh, we were right on the heels of the Supreme Court decision. And so uh, we had been uh, talking just about uh, how important it is for the church to display and show love to everyone. And how many of you believe that? Amen. How many, of you, how many of you in your heart believe that everyone, regardless of whether you agree with how they live their life, they are deserving of dignity, respect, and love? Amen? Amen. And, and I think that on, on that principle, uh, we, can, we can agree because the Word of God is so concise about that very fact. And so this morning, I want to pick up and continue going. And let me tell you, you know, I have forgotten, I can be honest and say, I have forgotten the challenges that will come your way when you put love in the forefront of your mind. I have forgotten about how easy it is when you're not really focused on, when you're focused on walking in love, it seems like there's so many opportunities to be offended. It's so many opportunities for that people say something or do something or, or, or and how many know it's typically those people closest to you too. Uh, see, see, I don't know about you, but mine is not random people. It's not the folk at Walmart or the, somebody I'm passing by. When, when I'm focused on walking in love, I, it, it seems like the devil understands the way to get me is by working with people who are closest to me. And so I have to make sure that when I'm perfecting this love walk, that I don't take those opportunities to come as opportunities to be offended. Amen. The word of God says it like this. The word of God says you'll have many opportunities in which to be offended. But I love the thing he says after that. He says, don't take them. You'll have many opportunities to be offended. Okay. A lot of stuff's going to happen where you could get out of love. He says, but when they happen, don't take those opportunities. Don't take the opportunity to step out of love. Don't take the opportunity to, to, to drop your religion. Don't take the opportunity to give them a piece of your mind. Lord knows we need all our mind. Amen. Amen. And so don't give them, a, don't give an opportunity to give up a piece of it. And so I want to look at something. We're going to start kind of where we left off on last week. Matthew chapter 22. And if you have that, go ahead and open your Bible or your phone or something. I encourage you not to be a person who just relies on what the preacher says. Uh, be a per, you know, if you, if, if you don't, if you're not quick enough on your phone, get you a heart, get you a, get you a printed Bible. Uh, and if, if you don't do anything with it, but study out of it and bring it to church, but get you a printed Bible if you need it. Uh, sometimes it's so easy to be on your phone, to get ready to go to a scripture and get a Facebook message. And the next thing you know, you're over in Facebook and you done missed the last three scriptures. It happens to all of us. Amen. And so you have to be determined that when you come to church, you're not going to be distracted, that you're going to put things in place so you can receive the word. Amen. Amen. Now, let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. If you're keeping notes today, uh, the title of this message is called The Preeminence of the Law of Love. Last week, we talked about love being preeminent, it being first place. Uh, but how many of you know that, that, that love is a law? Because it, it, it law is like a commandment. And, and the Lord didn't give us a suggestion to love. He gave us a commandment to love. So if he gave us a commandment to love, then love is really not an option. The thing we got to figure out is how do we do it? Amen. It's like if your parents tell, when you're a child and your parents tell you to take the trash out, it's not really like an option to take the trash out. And even if it's heavy, you got to figure out how to get it to the curb. Because what they said was what? Take the trash out. It, all that other stuff is for you to figure out. And so God says to us, he says, hey, listen. He says, I, I command you to love. He says, and because I command you to love, I'm not going to leave you to figure it out. I'm going to help you to understand how to do it. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 35. It says here, it says, One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him, him being Jesus, with this question. He said to him, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And how many know that the law of Moses had a, had a lot of laws? A lot of things they had to keep, a lot of things they had to do, things that involved different kinds of sacrifices and when they had to sacrifice and what they had to sacrifice and for which sin. 
And so this religious leader tries to trap Jesus in this question, and he tries to make him look bad by asking him, which is the greatest commandment, the most important commandment in all of the law? Next verse. He then says to him, it says, Jesus replied and said, you must. Now, now look at that word. It says must. Is that a suggestion word? He says, you must love, that's right. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart, with all of your what? And with all of your what? Mind. He says, this is the what? First and what? It is the greatest commandment of them all. But then Jesus flips the script in the next verse and he says to them, he says, and the second one is what? Equally important. That's why we read it out of the New Living Translation, because sometimes you read that and people don't understand what he says is like it. What he says is it's equal to. He says, so the thing that I just told you is just as important as the thing I'm about to tell you. The thing that I just told you is you got to love God with everything. He says in the second one is just like it. You got to love your what? Neighbor in the same way you love who? Yourself. He says on these commandments hang all the all the prophets and all of the commandments. Now, we talked last week about what that meant, and we said that in essence, it is like if you take a curtain rod, and if you hang a curtain rod, you know you got to have it even so that the curtain hangs properly. Well, you got to make sure that you're loving God and loving your neighbor, and they have to be equal so that everything else is hanging on that rod equally. Your faith, your joy, your peace, your long-suffering, your endurance, your character, your dignity, all of that has to be on there. If it gets off kilter, then your life is off kilter. Amen? So tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. It's, not it's not enough just to know just how much God loves us. God say, it is equally, it is equally important, important that we love God, we love God and, our and our neighbor in the same manner. Same manner. Amen. Now, that's key. That's key. We can, we can shut the Bible and go home. That's key. That's what we have to understand. In fact, in the book of Luke, and we don't have to go there, but in Luke chapter 10, you find this same conversation. But what you find immediately after that is Jesus then gets into the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then what he says is this, because the, they weren't really through with the questioning, because then the religious leader asked Jesus, he says, well, then who is my neighbor? He says, okay, if I'm supposed to love God with everything I got, and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself, then who is my neighbor? And for some of us, how many know it's easy to love people who are just like you? It's easy to love people who have the same kind of thoughts and processes as you have. People who are in your family who have been good to you. It's easy to love those kind of people. But Jesus didn't say to love the people who are like you. In fact, he used this example to show them that the people who see other people who are not like them are typically the ones who don't show love. Because if you read the parable of the Good Samaritan, here's what he says. He says, there was a man on a journey. He says, and the man was on a journey, and while he was on that journey, thieves and robbers came and attacked him. He says, and a, and a priest from the temple came walking by. Good old, good old pastor came walking by, saw the man who had been injured. The Bible says he went to the other side of the street, passed him by. Saw the man said, oh, he got beat up, he got beat up, he got knocked out, let me get out of here. Pass the left. The Bible says, and then a temple worker, uh, one of you, a parishioner, saw him laying on the street, saw him, saw him beat up and mangled, says he kept walking on by. It says, and then a man who they called a Samaritan, that would be somebody who don't even know God. That would be somebody who the Jews didn't even deal with, somebody they didn't even fool with. The Samaritan saw this Jew who had gotten beaten up. And the Bible says that he went over, that he put oil on his skin, that he put wine on his skin, he dressed him, and then he put the man on his own donkey. He rode the man to the inn. He paid the man at the inn two pieces of silver and said, hey, look, take care of him. And if it's not enough, on my way back through, I'll pay you the rest. And then Jesus asked the man the question. He says, so which one of these three people was his neighbor? He said, and then the religious leader says, well, obviously the one who took care of the one in need. He said, then you do likewise. Now, 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 now think about that. He's talking to people in the church. And he says to them, if you want to know who your neighbor is, it ain't the people who look just like you. It ain't just the folk who come to church and the folk who just shout beside you. He said, your neighbor is anybody you find in need. 
He said, your love walk has to be such that even if their lifestyle is not what you approve of, if you find them in need, you're willing to help. It it doesn't matter that they had a baby out of wedlock. It doesn't matter that they're living in sin, or or, or what we call living in sin, the shacking, or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter if if they're of a different sexual orientation. It doesn't matter, watch this, even if they're racist. Oh, now see, now see, we can love everybody. I ain't loving no racist. That's not what Jesus said, though. And that's the reason that we have to learn to perfect this love wall. See, there was a, a story uh, several years ago, and I don't know if you saw it, but there was a lady, there was a, a KKK rally. And one of the KKK members had gotten separated from his group and had got to the other side of the street where the anti-protesters were. And, and, and they were chasing him and had knocked him to the ground and was about to beat him. And a young black lady threw herself on top of him and said, no, this is not right. We can't do this. Now, how many know that takes an extreme amount of love for someone who was disrespecting you just a moment ago? Someone who probably, had you been knocked down, would have been one of the ones stomping on you. But instead, she didn't take that opportunity to repay evil for evil. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. So what happens is, many times in our life, we love those people who have displayed love to us. But we are not as quick to display love to those who have shown disrespect to us. In fact, you know, I was reading this week, I was reading this week, and I saw all these posts and all these Christians talking about how they're going to love people from afar. I'm sorry. I kept asking over and over where that scripture was located. I couldn't find it, and they couldn't give me a reference point, because how many of you know Jesus didn't love you from afar? The Bible says that while we were yet in our He was reconciling us to himself. He was drawing us to himself, even though we were in our sins. If Jesus dealt with us from afar off, you could never hear him speak. You could never hear him speak. I said it last week, and y'all kind of laughed about it, but I said, imagine if Jesus was feeding us from his hand. We got saved. The moment we got saved, we were perfect, right? And every time we did something wrong, Jesus just kept backing up and backing up, backing up. In some of our lives right now, Jesus would be so far we couldn't see him. But how many know he doesn't do that? Every time we're in need, what does he do? He draws close to us. The Bible even says, it says, if you will take one step toward him, he'll do what? Take two towards you. If you draw nigh unto him, he'll draw what? Nigh unto you. That's what love looks like. And when we start preaching about love, sometimes people get, um, they, they get really quiet because the truth of the matter is, we operate in conditional love. I mean, let's just be honest. You treat me good. You be nice to me and my kids. You show me some reciprocity. I'm going to show you some. Right. You know I mean, and we, we can be cool. We can call ourselves family when that happens. Right. Amen. We family. But how many of you know there are times in your life where you're going to have to tap into something that goes beyond what your own ability is to love? And that's what Pastor Sean was saying earlier. You know, when, when, when someone... When someone says something to me that's out of sorts, it is the love of God that restrains me from not responding in an in a equally or more aggressive manner. Amen? Because now, now, now some of y'all raised your hand, y'all said y'all was gentle. That may not be y'all's struggle. But folk like me, who believe in meeting force with brute force, you have to be careful not to step out of the love of God. Because when you step out of love, in essence, you step out of faith. And that's the devil's job. The Bible says this, all the promises of God are received how? Come on, church. By faith. So all the promises of God are received by faith. So if I got a promise from God, the devil can't stop me from getting a promise. So the only thing he can do is something that causes me to, to, to basically get myself out of the situation so I get out of faith. Let me say it like this. God makes a promise to you that he is going to heal you. You want to heal your physical body, and you're holding on to that. But then somebody says something to you that makes you so mad that you just, you just every time you see them in your mind, or even out of your mouth, you just going off. How many know you can't be in faith doing that? That's true. So now what, what was designed 
to cause you to come into a place of prosperity, your faith has been stolen from you or you've been tricked out of it because you've allowed the devil to cause you to walk away from the very thing that makes your faith work. Because the Bible says what? That faith worketh by love. And so if we don't get this love thing down, we're going to miss out on some big things. Amen? As a Christian, the development of your love walk must be your primary focus. Failure to develop the God kind of love within you will cause you to be weak in your character. Hear me when I say that. If you fail to develop the God kind of love, it will cause you to be weak in your character. What do I mean? I mean people will understand exactly what to do to push your button. And they'll wait for the prime opportunity to push your button where they get you to show out in front of everybody who you've been testifying about who you weren't. You've been telling everybody about how you go to church, telling everybody about how you love God, telling about how your life doesn't change, telling everybody about how you changed, you a new person, your hands look new, your feet did too. And then they're going to say something to you in front of everybody so that you would walk out of love and destroy everything you've been working on. So you got to make sure you develop your love walk because if you don't, it'll cause your character to be weak. The weakness in what will hinder you from experiencing the manifestation of God's goodness in your life is a lack of love. When you ha if track it, track the days that you wake up and decide it's going to be a good day. And then wait and then track the days when you hop out of bed and just get to going. And you're not focused on, because the Bible says that God is love. So if I start my day with God, I'm starting my day with love. See, don't get this idea that love is a feeling. When we're talking about God, we ain't talking about feelings. Because I can love you in spite of my feelings. In fact, I'm, I'm, I, I am commanded to love you in spite of my feelings. Because this, this, is, this is not feel I love, it's not storge love, and it's not, it's not eros love. We're talking about agape love. We're talking about the kind of love that transcends any conditions on which it's based. See, people say, well, I got unconditional love for you. You have to really ask yourself, do you have unconditional love? Right. I say I'm a work in progress. Right, right. <laughs> now, now you got to be honest with you where you are. I am a work in progress on unconditional love. I am working on my ability to move beyond my own human senses when it comes to loving people. And if you're truthful, you are too. Because the Bible says we go from level to we go from faith to faith, from level to level. Okay? And so what we got to understand is I may not be where I want to be, but every opportunity is an opportunity to get stronger. Yeah. It's like lifting weights. How I many you know that when you start off, you may not be able to lift 300 pounds? But if you start off with 50 and you work with 50 for a while, you can move up to 75. And from there, you can move up to 100. And before you know it, you, you, you're lifting 300 like it's not a problem. But you didn't start there. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. don't judge me don't based on how I'm loving today. Say, just, just watch a year from now. A year. Yeah, a year from now, my love walk going to be totally different. You ain't even going to be able to realize how different I am. I ain't even going to respond the same way anymore a year from now. Why? Because I'm going to get these scriptures in my heart. I'm going to meditate on them. I'm going to read them. I'm going to see the opportunity to come. When I, when I, when I used to, and we were, when Pastor Sean was doing her confessions, we were kind of laughing because she said that in, in, if you love someone in your own ability, you're going to be drained. And me and Nietzsche was laughing. We said, you're going to be drained, and they're going to be cussed out. <laughs> if you're trying to love people in your own ability, at some point you're going to hit that plateau where you can't do this no more. And everything you ever wanted to say, the devil's going to pull the plug on it, and it's going, you're, going, you're going to vomit at the mouth of everything you wanted to say. And, 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 and you can't afford to do that. As a believer, you can't afford to have the devil to play you like that. The Bible says, be not ignorant of what? His devices. His devices is for you to hold on to that stuff. That's why when people offend you, you got to release it. So these opportunities to grow in love, when they come, you can't be like, oh, I'm just going to walk in love. But you keep rehearsing in your mind what they did to you. Because if you keep rehearsing it in your mind, you ain't let it go. And at any moment, when that plug is pulled, everything you ever wanted to say about that situation is going to flood out. Amen? You'll be like, I mean, people, people, people will be stunned. You'll start talking to them, and you'll, you'll just, we'll just wig out on them, and they don't even understand why you're doing that to them. That, and you talk about something that happened three years ago. 
But it's fresh to you because you've been rehearsing it. It, it. It's as fresh to you today as it was three years ago because you never let it go. But, the, but how many you know the Bible says that God, when we mess up, he doesn't do that. The Bible says he casts our sin as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says, and he remembers them no more. No more. Why does he do that? Because when we come to him, it gives him the ability to deal with us on a brand new level. That's what the Bible says. We get new mercy how often? Every day. We get new mercies every day. Every day we start off on a clean slate. God, like, what you talking about? You messed up. What do you mean? I don't understand. When did you mess up? See, people, Paul, people call Paul arrogant when Paul said, I have wronged no man. People are like, what you mean you have wronged no man? You were killing Christians. You was doing all of this stuff against God. He had to blind you in order to get your attention. What do you mean you have not wronged anybody? Paul was speaking from the spiritual standpoint that God's love is so good that in spite of all the worst things, all the things I've done, he says, I was the worst of the worst. He says, in spite of all that, God says, I've wronged nobody. Now, that's love. He was demonstrating to us the love of the Father. So, can, so the question is this. Ask your neighbor. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Will, you will you commit, commit to the development, to the development of, your love wall of your love wall so that when you see folk, you see folk who have wronged you, wronged you, will say, you will say they have not wronged me? That's the question. That's the question. That's the million-dollar question. That's the million-dollar question. Am I, gonna, am I committed enough? To develop in my love walk so that when I see folk who I know have wronged me, I will not charge it to their account. Because sometimes we see folk and, 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 and we don't see them with a clean slate. Now, we, we, we love on them or, act, or we, 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 we act like we love on them. But we still counting up their debts. We count up how much how much debt they have, and I ain't talking about I ain't talking about money. We talking about how much how much you hurt my feeling debt, how much you done talked about me debt. We're talking about because there comes a time in your life where you have to understand that if I'm ever going to prosper, I have to let go of people who've hurt me. Watch this: when you hold on to hurts and disappointments. When you hold on to the fact that somebody said something about you or to you, lied on you, whether they're a family member or not, when you hold on to that, it is the equivalent of you drinking poison, acting like they're going to get sick because of it. Now, 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 th now think about that. Think about Nobody would do that. No one would drink poison and hope that their enemy gets sick because they drank the poison. But that is what unforgiveness does to you. So they're living their life. They ain't thinking about you. They, 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 they don't even remember what they said to offend you. And you offended and you holding on to it. And here it is three years later and you still upset. You go into the doctor. They don't know what's wrong with you. They can't figure it out. They give you medication for depression. You got ulcers. Just forgive. Just choose to walk in love. Just choose. People say things like this, but if I do that, they're going to think I'm a punk. No, 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 no. Understand, forgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is for you. You're forgiving them for what they've done, not for them. You're doing it for you because it frees you up to walk in God's love. It frees you up to have your faith to work. It frees you up to recognize that, you know what, you probably have offended somebody yourself. Isn't that amazing how we hold on to unforgiveness <laughs> like we 100% clean? But we don't realize that, 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 that just like we can be offended by something, that we could have offended somebody else. Right. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Say, I know, I know. You, look you look perfect. Now, just look at them real good in their eye and just tell them, say, but, but. you ain't. You ain't. <laughs> right. You are not perfect. You are not perfect. I know you act like you don't say nothing about nobody and you don't really get involved and you don't say much. Listen, sometimes you're not saying something offends folk. 
And so you got to make sure that you're careful that we don't get to this place where we think that somehow we have maintained such a high standard that, that, that we can hold people to this, to this unforgiveness spot. Amen? We have to let everybody go. Notice this. The pursuit of love should be your greatest pursuit. Money, money should not be your greatest pursuit. I said again, money should not be your greatest pursuit. I know you need money. I know you like money. Money is good. The Bible says it answers all things, but it didn't say it was the greatest commandment. It didn't say it was the greatest commandment. And so the pursuit, the number one pursuit of a believer should be the pursuit of love because walking in love is the essence of what Christianity is. That word Christian means to be Christ-like. You cannot say you are Christ. It's like me saying, well, you know, I'm just like the vegetarian. I eat steak. That's confusing, right? Because, you, because what do you know about vegetarians? They don't eat meat. So if I say I'm like the vegetarian, I like steak, you're confused. In fact, your mind starts to figure out, well, did he say that right? And that's what happens when unbelievers see us say we're Christians, but we don't behave like Christ. They're like, did he, did he say Christian? Because that's, even what I know about Christ, that don't seem like him. You know, you, you spewing hate. When did Christ do that? And so we got to make sure that we don't come off as people who are, are, are saying one thing, but our behavior is another. To your neighbor, say, you got to learn to pursue love. Listen, nothing is more important in the life of a Christian than developing the love of God. It is the only means by which your faith will work, and it's the only way to be assured, watch this, that you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life. And that's what, I, that, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says the only indication you have that any real transformation took place is now you can love like God loved. He said that the fact that you came up there and you got saved, listen, you say you saved, but you can't prove to us your behavior that just because you act a certain way doesn't prove your salvation. Amen? We're, we're believing that through faith. He says, but the only way to tell in the earth, a physical representation that you have passed from spiritual death to spiritual life is that we see how you treat your neighbor. We see how you treat your brother. And your brother is not just the person who you cool with. He says the only way we know that you are even who you say you are is how you treat other people. And the reality of it is if, if we had, if we had a, a, a Christian rating system, and you had to wear your rating system on your chest as a big button every day based on how you treated everybody. And the goal was 10. The question you have to ask yourself is where would you be? And would you be ashamed to wear your badge? You know, if, they were, if, 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 if red was the 10 and, 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 and green was the lowest, would we see a lot of green badges walking around? Or would yours fluctuate based on who you hang with? So when I'm with my peeps, I'm up here, I'm at I'm a 10. But when the homeless man approaches me at the gas station, he drops. Oh, oh, you ain't going to say nothing. You ain't going to say nothing. Listen, even if you don't have money to give, you don't have to be rude and disrespect people. That's right. Come on. That's right. Come on. I, oh, I need to, yeah, yeah. You, you, you see somebody, I ain't got nothing. We begging, asking me for nothing. Listen, you don't have to demean people. They already know they're begging. Whether they're begging by choice or by force, they know they're begging. So you don't have to be rude. If you don't have anything to give, I'm not telling you that every time somebody asks you got to give, I am telling you you don't have to be rude to say no. Oh, come on now. You ain't got to be rude to say no. A person says, hey, do you have any spare change? You can simply say, I'm sorry, man, I don't have anything to give. And leave it as that. You ain't got to be, oh, man, y'all always begging, sick and tired of seeing all these homeless folk out here. Go get a job. You don't have to treat people that way. The Bible says you shouldn't pe treat people that way because you never know when you might be entertaining angels. So you're supposed to be working on your love wall. So watch this. You're going to have several opportunities 
in which you don't know whether that's a homeless person or that's an angel dressed up as a homeless person. And how you treat them will say a lot about you. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. It's, tough, it's tough, but it's right. But it's, right. it's right. You can't just be rude to people. Just, just, just because they, you, you deem them to be lesser. Amen? Now, we talk about law being a, that, that, that love being a law. Now, how many know that a law is simply just a principle? That's what a law is. It's a principle. Uh, it's a fundamental truth or a meaning that serves as a foundation for a system of beliefs or behaviors. And what happens is this. A law says that if I behave this way, this is the result I'm going to get. And I can behave this way on a Monday or Friday, I'm going to get the same result. It doesn't matter whether it's sunny out, if it's sunny outside or if it's storming outside. If I behave this way, I'm going to get this result. How many of you know that love is a law? And it says, if you function in love, here's always going to be the reward you're going to get for it. But how many of you know fear is a law? Fear is a law. So anytime I operate in fear, this is the outcome I'm going to get. So God made these principles so that you and I didn't have to guess about what was going to happen if I treat Because that's, that's how many know that's a lot of people's worry. It's like, but what if I'm good to them and they treat me like this, though? How, how, what, what, how does that leave me? What's my standing? If I display love to them, but they don't display love to me, then they're going to be fine, but I'm going to be the one being injured. Well, you know what that is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear says, if I don't protect me, watch this, who's going to protect me? That's what fear says. Fear says, I have to protect myself because fear is rooted in selfishness. And so what happens is, is when you walk in love, love says, God's going to always protect me. So I respond to you based on God's commandment, not based on what you're going to do back to me. Because I trust God's big enough to take care of me. No, oh, Pastor, I can't get with that. I hear what you're saying, but that ain't really how I roll. I understand. I've been there. But what you have to understand is that if you let fear come into your life, fear has the inability to stay put in one area. Fear may come in one area about how people treat you, but it'll find its way into your marriage. It'll find its way into how you deal with your kids. Fear will find its way into how you deal with your finances. Fear will find its way into, how, into the doctor's report. Fear has the inability to stay put. Fear won't sit down. Fear has attention deficit disorder. It wants every, it bops around everywhere. Fear wants everything. It wants to get involved in everything. And it wants to filtrate everything. Here's the good news, though. Faith is like that, too. Faith won't stay put. You get faith about your marriage and your finances change. Your kids start acting like they grades start going up. You get a raise and promotion, all kinds of stuff start happening. Why? Because faith will infiltrate your life too, but they can't coexist. Faith and fear can't be in the same place. So, pastor, how do I get rid of fear? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that perfected love. Now, watch this, because I went back and looked this up because it always says Perfect love cast out fear. And I was like, well, God, how do I get to perfect love if I'm, not, if I'm not perfected in my love yet? And when you go back and you look up that word, it doesn't actually mean perfect without blemish. It means the word progressing. Progressing love. Cast out fear. Or progressing love cast fear out of doors. So if I, am, so if I walk in love to the ability I have today and I'm doing everything I got, it'll cast fear out. As I get more word and more fear comes, I have to operate at a different level of love. That's the reason, watch this, don't be surprised when you have opportunities over the next week or two to walk in love. 
it ain't an issue. Don't worry about it. Don't be like, well, I ain't going to church. They get through talking about love. No, no, no. <laughs> Keep coming. But when the opportunities come, pass the test. How many of you can remember when you, was, when, you, when you first became like a freshman in high school and you couldn't wait to graduate? You was like, oh, I'm a freshman. I got four years and I'm out of here. How many of you know if you didn't pass those classes, you weren't going to graduate? Mm -hmm. You had to what? Progress. Well, that's how it is where your love is concerned. You have to, be, you have to, you have to see yourself graduating to the degree that you are walking in the, in the highest realm of love. But you might just be a freshman right now. It's okay. Everybody was a freshman at some point if they graduated. Everybody was a freshman, but you ain't got to stay a freshman. You ain't got to spend seven years in your freshman class. And it don't take you another six to be a sophomore, and then, and then another, and another nine to be a junior, and then you stay in a senior, and you, you just rested at the senior moment. You just capping down forever. At some point, you want to graduate so you're not always having to go back and say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't do it right. I shouldn't have cussed them out. Sometimes you ought to progress past that. Amen? Amen. Yes. Let's take a look at this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. And like I said, we're going to teach on this for several weeks, so I'm not going to try to give you all of this, but I want you to see this. It says, therefore, since we have been made what? Right in the sight, in God's sight, how was we made right in God's sight? By what? Faith. By faith. It says we have peace, nothing missing and nothing broken. We have shalom with God because of what? What Jesus Christ, our Lord, come on, has done for us. Okay, now get this. You and I have this peace within us about our eternity. But not just our eternity, but I have peace about my present situations. Why? Because of what I have believed in through my faith and what Jesus did for me. Amen? The Bible says because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of what? Highest privilege. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Is there anybody in here who is looking forward to sharing with somebody else what God has done for you? Amen. Notice, he said this is part of walking in love. Sharing the good news. He says literally you are in right standing right now because of what, of what Christ did for you and your faith in God. He says, and now because of that, he says, it ought to be your pleasure, now that you're sitting in the highest place, that you are willing to share this gospel with other people. Mm. See, walking in love is just not about being nice. Right. It's important to understand that. When we're talking about walking in love, it's not just being nice. And watch, it's not about being a doormat either. Because I know that some of y'all some of y'all some of y'all perked up being like, all right, cool, I can listen now. There ain't gonna be no doormat. Okay, listen, we weren't talking about being a doormat. We're not talking about letting people treat you any old kind of way. We're not letting talk, you know, people just abuse you and you just taking it because you're a Christian. We ain't even we ain't even that kind of people. What we're talking about is we're talking about the fact that you have an obligation that now you're born again to share that gospel with somebody else. Do you love the fact that you're saved? Then the Bible says that if you love the fact that you're saved, then you ought to treat your neighbor the way you would treat yourself. So if it's important for you and you're happy about being saved, you ought to be sharing that gospel with somebody else. Amen? Amen. Next verse. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. Why? They help us learn to endure. See, so when we're talking about walking in love, Understand the trials that come with, with that tempt you to get out of love, they're just coming to help you learn how to endure. So, 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 so don't back off of, of your love scriptures. Don't back off of studying it because you don't want the, the, the opportunities to come to, in, to cause you to have to endure. Learn how to pass the test. It says in endurance then develops strength of what? Character. It says and then character will strengthen your what? Your confident expectation of salvation or deliverance. When you learn to love, 
You're like this. You're like, wait a minute. There's no way that God would send his only son to die for me and then let me succumb to financial debt. There's no way God's going to send his only, watch this, his only son to die for me and then let cancer take me out. There's no way God's going to love me so much that he's going to send his only son to die for me and then at the end of the day, let me sit here and suffer instead of depression. God's love for me is greater than that. But I got to start passing some tests so I can see that. Because when I pass the test, then my character gets changed. When my character gets changed, then I, it strengthens my expectation of what God will do for me. That's why you can't talk me out of trusting God. It's too late. I've already trusted him once, and he came through. Now, see, there's some, there's some folk that you can talk them out of trusting God. And the reason is, is because they've never trusted God. They never put their whole weight on God. You know how it is. If, if, if right now I ask one of you to come up here and to fall backwards, no matter how much you trust me, the first time you do it, even if you do it, in your mind, you think, Pastor, better not drop me. You're like, he, he, I know he like to be funny. He better not let me fall and hit my head. But how many of you know that if we had done that a hundred times, you're not going to have that same fault? It's the reason that you get little kids, and my kids used to do it, on the top of the stairs, and, and, and you say, come here, jump. And they'd be like, they just jump full board. Why? Because they're confident that you're going to catch them. Their expectation is you would never let me fall. Right. In fact, many times they don't even have an expectation that they're going to fall until you let them fall the first time. And then they're like, whoa, you just let me hit the ground. I don't know if I want to jump like that again. And some of us, we've jumped like that, but we hadn't ever really jumped and put our full weight on it. And, and, and so we all tensed up, and then we blame God for hitting the ground. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, I need you to know. That wasn't God that dropped you. That wasn't God that dropped you. He said, jump on three, you went on two. See, see, because there are times, there are times that we hear, we hear God, but we don't operate according to what God has said. And then we blame God when things don't go according to plan. But he was like, I was ready on three. You jumped on two. So we got to make sure that we are sharing this gospel and that we have this expectation that God's not going to drop us. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God is not going to drop you. But you got to learn to put your full weight on it. You got you got you got to learn to you got to learn to just fall back in God in the things of God. You got to learn how to do that. And when you learn how to do that, you become more and more confident of God catching you. Amen. Next verse, verse five. It says, "And this expectation, while well, my God will not disappoint us." Hallelujah. Say, my expectation, my expectation in, God in God will not, will not disappoint. Amen. It says, for we know how clear, how, how clearly or how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You don't have to worry about trying to manufacture love. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you give the Holy Spirit place, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. He is love. And so love is going to be in your heart. Amen. It says we were, it says when we were utterly helpless. I love this. Christ came at just the right time and died for all of us sinners. The next verse, verse 7, it says, Now, no one is likely to die. It says, Now, no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. It says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. It says, and since we have been made right, come on, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. He will certainly save us from God's judgment. Well, what is this scripture saying to us in Romans? Literally, what he is saying here is this. Don't get distracted by the fact that people do things that, that don't seem right. You just keep doing the right thing. 
You just keep living the right way. You just keep loving. And sometimes that's the most difficult thing because our human nature says, I ain't your punching bag. Now, if you're a gentle person, you might take a lot. But even gentle people got their breaking point. In fact, they used to tell us when we was in school, they said, if you got somebody who's always talking and popping off at the mouth and saying something, they probably ain't going to do nothing. They ain't going to fight. They ain't going to do nothing. They just talking. They just talking, trying to be bad, hoping that you don't do nothing. They said, but you find you a person who, while you doing all that talking, 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 they just sitting there and they ain't saying nothing. They just look. They, they ain't even looking at you. And all of a sudden, they just look up at you. And while you're still talking, they're just looking at you in your eye. They're like, you better be afraid because they about half a second from just going totally off on you. Well, see, that's how the devil is. He's just talking. Ah, you're going to be sick. You're going to be sick. You don't have no money. You don't have no money. People are going to judge you. They ain't going to love you. He's just talking. He's just talking. The problem is, is that you sit there and you listen to it. And you don't open your mouth and use the word and say, no, the same God who saved me is the same God who loves me. And so because he loved me, I can show that love to other people. I ain't got to be concerned about what they're going to do. It's the issue that we as humans have to grapple with. Because many, many times we are operating in our humanity. And when you walk in love, you got to get outside your humanity. We spend our entire, now I know you deep, I know it, but we spend most of our time in our humanity. We do. We spend most of our time in our humanity. We shouldn't, but if we're honest, we do. And what God is trying to do is get us to transition to where we're spending most of our time in the supernatural elements of who he's called us to be. You should, love shouldn't have to, your, love in you shouldn't be like a faucet. It should be like a stream. Now, 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 what's the difference between a stream and a faucet? A faucet, you have to what? Turn on, and then you do what? But a stream is always what? It's always flowing. It's always flowing. Now, see, what happens if you're in a quick situation and you can't turn the knob fast enough? <laughs> you need your love knob on, and you, you, you can't get it, and before you know it, you, you done blew it. But if it's always flowing, if it's always flowing. And the Holy Spirit is always a representation of what? Water. We always see the Holy Spirit as water. So we always have the Holy Spirit flowing through us, through love. Amen? And when we do that, we'll understand this word that I talked about last week called preeminence. When we talk about preeminence, we said preeminence, that word pre means before. Eminence means to be of high regard, the highest thing. God's love is preeminent. God's love has to be above everything else, even self-protection. God's love has to be above self-protection. As human beings, we want to protect ourselves. We want to protect ourselves from hurt, from disappointment, from all of those things. But if we're not careful, we'll spend so much time trying to protect ourselves from that, we'll forget the fact that we're not even in love anymore. And so we have to make sure that we understand that this love that God has for us is a preeminent love. I'm going to close today because with, with this one scripture, and I want you to see this. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. So, Caleb, if you'll go to Galatians 5 and 6. It's, okay, thank you. Galatians 5 and 6. I want you to see this because love, and we talked about this, but love is the battery that enables your faith to work properly. Love is the battery that enables your faith to work properly. Faith is expressed by, faith is expressed by and works through love. If we don't understand that, we're going to be trying to develop something that we won't have the power to support. How many of you know if you built this really, really awesome machine that needed electricity and this machine could do whatever you wanted it to do? You could pro I mean, literally, whatever you wanted to do, you could program this machine to do whatever you wanted to do. But the only thing is it had to have electricity. How many know if you built that machine but did not have electricity to it, that machine is worthless? It's worthless. This, this, this machine, let's say this machine could make arms. Let's say this machine could, could repair roofs. Let's say this machine could change a tie on a car. Anything you think of, let's say this machine could do it. The only issue is that the machine needs electricity. And you build this machine, and then you don't supply the electricity. How good is that machine? 
is worthless. That's what the Bible says about our faith. The Bible says you say you have faith, but if you don't have love, you don't really have faith. Your faith is worthless. Now, that's a, tough, that's a tough pill to swallow because we want to be faith people. We work for a church and we make our confession. You make your confession, but you don't walk in love. All that stuff you said over there, that ain't coming true in your life. Now, that's, that's, that, and that's tough. And, and people go, wait a minute. Well, I'm making my confessions, but, you, but you're so mean to everybody. <laughs> you're making your confessions. You're talking about how you're not going to die early, but you got so much bitterness in you. Every time you go to the doctor, you get a bad report. So you can't say you've got all this great faith working, but then you don't do something with the very thing that causes it to work. So what does it say? Let's read it together. Ready? Read. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Watch this. But faith which worketh by love. He says, listen, we can have all these debates about whether you ought to be circumcised or not, whether you ought to be uh, and for them, this, this was a religious thing. He said, we, we, can, we can talk about whether you should be circumcised or not, who, 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 is, who is Jew, who is Gentile. He said, we can talk about all that stuff. He said, at the end of the day, none of that stuff matters. He said, well, the only thing that matters is that you become a person of faith, and in that, your faith is only going to work by love. That's all. And so as, we, as, as I'm finished for today, I want to leave you with this thought. Are you spending as much time developing your love as you are your faith? Because we spend a lot of time in this church talking about faith. And we need to spend time talking about faith. You need to grow in your faith. But don't forget what makes it work. Don't forget. If you've got a brand new Bentley today. And you said, oh, thank God for the brand new Bentley. Or whatever kind of car you want. The most expensive car that you want. Whatever that is. And you got in, you were so excited to drive and you took off and you got 10 miles down the road and realized you didn't handle gas. How good is that car going to do you when you don't have any gas? Gas is what makes it go. And watch this. I love this. The same gas that'll make a 72 Pinto go is the same gas that'll make whatever car you want in 2015 go. Same gas. Same gas. Different cars, same gas. Love is the gas. Love is the gas to our faith. And I don't care if you got, if you got big developed faith or if you just start now. Love is the thing that's going to make it go. Amen? And so we got to make a decision that we're going to be people of great love. Amen? Let's make this confession. Say, Father God, I thank you. That right now, my life is improving. See, I thank you that my life is improving is because I make a commitment to develop my love wall. Say, whatever challenges and opportunities come my way over the next week, I will pass the test. Now give the Lord some praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.